Welcome to the KHOW Podcast. You've joined a community who focuses on following the word, living the word, and doing the word. We hope you enjoy these messages. I didn't have any idea of what God was going to do last week before I was asked. So I was like, okay, so what was happening, Lord? I'm, I'm just like, you know, just being in a space where his presence is where I know I need to be and where I have been and accepting that. I have to be disciplined to sit in it. And there's something, one of the tools that I use is to keep the word of God around me in what I feel to be one of my, one of, because we have plenty of them, but one of my most vulnerable states, which is while I'm sleeping. So I keep the word of God playing. I need it playing. So while I'm sleeping, sometimes you know how we don't hear anything while we're sleeping. And that, and again, you know, hey, if you can while you're sleeping, teach your zone. But when I hit that REM sleep, that's a wrap. I'm done. I don't hear anything. Nothing's happening. But there are times where the word of God will penetrate my sleep. And it will wake me up and I will sit with it and I will sit with the Lord. So on this, on this, on this last week, on this evening, I'm asleep, getting, catching all the Z's in the world. And Jeremiah comes on. Only reason why I know Jeremiah is because the verse, the verses woke me out of a dead sleep. And it was uh, Jeremiah three and it was six, I believe through 12. That's not where we are tonight, but stick with me. So in that, he's talking about how Israel was doing too much, how they were putting themselves in high places and whoring themselves out to idols. That's literally what it says. And that penetrated. I was like, hold up. Wait a minute. Whoring? I said, maybe I got to go to the bathroom. That's why I woke up. So I like I handled my business, came back, took a sip of water and on purpose started Jeremiah from the beginning. I'm telling you, I was knocked out by the time they got through the, got to the 15th verse of the first chapter, I was out. But then again, on Jeremiah three, six, that, that same passage, it penetrated yet again. So I was like, all right, Lord, I don't know if I'm gonna be too many more prostitutes and horse. So where, where, what am I doing right now? What high places do I have myself in? What, where am I showing myself, showing out? Where? Please let me know. I'm not even about to try to, I was like, cause I was like name calling. This is new for me. This is new for me. Cause nothing like that's ever penetrated before. <laughs> so I was like, all right, this is concerning. But when I tell you it was the most revealing time, me asking him and genuinely wanting to know where he was dissatisfied with me. That's a question we don't necessarily ask ourselves. Lord, where are you dissatisfied with me? Where, where am I not going that you want me to go? What am I not doing that you want me to do? So when PA laid out the word on Saturday, it was all in line. It was all in line with what God was doing. So 
where we are tonight is Amos. Won't be before you long, but how important it is when PA says so many things on Saturday, it wasn't even funny. But it's how we let the word penetrate our souls and our hearts and how we let the Lord water what the seeds that have been planted and uproot what doesn't need to be there is how we progress now. So we are gonna be in Amos 5 and I'm gonna give a backdrop, I always do. <laughs> so at this point, they're already, they have already occupied the land, the promised land, the Israelites have already occupied. They've been in it for a while now. This is, we, we, we talking about from Joshua to Amos. So it's been generations. Amos was called to prophesy to Israel on behalf of the Lord, of course, because the Lord is displeased with Israel yet again. But this time it is because of the mess they have made of the promise land. So when PA mentioned demonstrating, being a demonstration of who God is, that is very important, especially in this time when he mentioned inconsistency showing no truth, that is so important to know in this time because what's happening in Amos is no different from what's happening in the church, quite literally today. It's no difference. The whole chapter five is pretty much a call to repentance, but letting Israel know that they have no other choice. Whatever they put their confidence in, if it's outside of God is going to fail them. So the only thing that is necessary to move forward with is repentance. So I'm gonna be in just, just a couple. So I'm just gonna do uh, one through five actually, yes. And then I'm gonna just go ahead and get in it, get, get in the significance of it. So verse one, um, hear this word that I take up, take up over you in lamentation. Lamentation is just him saying this is, He's saying this to them grieving while mourning, while uh, just, you know, feeling like, oh, he's feeling the weight of the word as he's delivering it. Oh, house of Israel, fallen no more to rise is maiden Israel, forsaken on her land with no one to raise her up. Verse three, for thus says the Lord, God, the city that marched out a thousand shall have a hundred left and that which marched out a hundred shall have 10 left. Verse four, for thus says the Lord of the house of Israel, seek me and live, but do not seek Bethel and do not enter Gilgal or cross over to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into exile and Bethel shall come to nothing. Okay, so in the, in the first verse one and two, Israel has fallen in God's eyes. Granted, right now, this is what's coming. This is what's coming, not what has happened, but what is coming as a result of the disobedience that Israel is doing. So he's saying that no more to rise. If forsaken on her land with no one to raise her up, he is removing everyone that Israel would seek for aid to assist them in this time to where they have no choice but to look up. Same thing he did with Nebuchadnezzar. He took his mind. He only got it when he looked up and repented. 
And in Amos 5, he is calling Israel to repentance yet again. But that is one thing we know in this walk, we will never stop doing. We will always be, have a repentant heart. If we have nothing to repent for, our heart should always remain repentant. It can be used more effectively that way. Because that means we are not above reproach. We are not above learning anything new. We are not unteachable. So keep, keep going. So for, thus says the Lord God, the city that marched out a thousand shall have a hundred left. Meaning if there was somebody that sent them aid, sent out a thousand men to come to their aid, after the battle, they will only have a hundred left. If somebody sent out a hundred people, where it says, and that which marched out a hundred shall have 10 left. After the battle, they will only have 10 left. Like he is diminishing Israel's uh, perceived protector, which is their warriors. So in verse four, he says to the house of Israel, seek me and live, but do not seek Bethel and do not enter into Gilgal or cross over into Beersheba for Gilgal shall surely go into exile and Bethel shall come to nothing. So there is the significance of these three places, Lord Jesus, the significance of these three places. We're going to start with Bethel. Bethel means house of God. And this was a location where God revealed himself to Jacob in Genesis 2, 28, 10 through 22. Jacob was instructed to return to the same place by God in Genesis 35. And he called it um, and that's when it really got the name El Bethel, which is the house of God. So now, um, let me not jump ahead. Gilgal, this was the first place the Israelites camped after they crossed the Jordan. So while the Ark of the Covenant was in the Jordan, God instructed um, Joshua to send 12 people out to go near where the... Um, where the priests were that had the ark. Now, if you know anything about the ark, if you if you got too close, if you made one mistake, that's a wrap, you're done. Like he's taking your life, that's it. Because it was so pure. It, it The very presence, the essence of God was in this ark. Somebody accidentally put their hand on it to steady it because it was about to fall and their life was taken. That's how pure this thing is. So. He allowed them, them to go around and collect 12 stones. 12 stones was, of course, representation of each, each tribe of Israel. So when they took it to Gilgal, they laid it out. They laid out the stones. And the stones were to be laid out or set up, excuse me, so that they would know for generations, bring kids back to see it. This marked their entry into the promised land. And they would know through the testimony that God parted the sea, or like parted or like part of the Jordan and allowed them to cross it. He brought them out. Just a continual reminder. Uh, Beersheba was a place of where, where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lived and worshiped. And now tying it all in, in Amos's time, all three of these places were representation of idolatry. They went from being the pinnacle. So we talking about in the time of Joshua, it, they went to, and um, Jacob, they went to being these amazing places where the presence of God was there. Places that God had named himself, like gave these 
men names to name them because of how amazing he is. To El Bethel was changed to Beth Aven. So B-E-T-H hyphen A-V-E-N, which means not house of God, but house of vanity. Gilgal, the place that marked their entrance into the promised land, when he says, shall surely go into exile. Now this place marked their exile, not their entrance, but the exile of what was to come if they did not repent. And even Beersheba, he, he was like, look, don't even, was also another place designated for idol worship. So this was, all of these things were said to say, this is what happens when we do, we are not consistent in demonstrating how powerful, how uh, tangible and revealing and consistent our God truly is. These are things that can happen. Places that were meant, places in our lives that were meant, that God has set apart for himself, we taint because we are not consistent and the truth is not lived out as it should be amongst other people. So that means we're allowing everybody just to come in and do what they're going to do, not setting up any boundaries or utilizing the tools that were given. We mark these places for, for idol worship. We can mark each place in our lives for idol worship. Any place that God has brought us out of, we can return to and mark for idol worship unbeknownst to us or beknownst to us. All that depends on is how consistent we are with the spirit of God, how close we are. Because God is going to change everything that we know because he is such a transformative God. We cannot be the same. You can look at all of the prophets. None of them were the same. None of them were used in the same way. Each one had their differences. Each one, each one had their own issues too. There were some that learned from them and some that didn't. But the, but the common ground is none of them weren't given a chance to walk with God and to walk with him wholeheartedly. The spirit of God is over the pretenses of his people coming to him in pretense, like, oh, th this is what I want to do, but we end up doing what was actually on our agenda to begin with. So, oh Lord, you're my friend, and I'm coming to you with this and that, but we, we, we don't give it to him wholeheartedly. Because the Bible is very clear, and it said we will find, we will seek, we will find him when we seek him with our whole heart, not half of it. Half of it is how he gets us. We come to this walk. We say yes to God with what we know, what we know that he's done for us and is doing. That, that's what brings us to him. We know that he's a healer. We know that he's a provider. When we really say yes, we say yes to what we don't know. We are saying yes to a cost of discipleship. PA was so on point with it on Saturday. It's not even funny. The practice, the word is so practical. It confounds the wise. 
he saw fit to allow us to have these particular spaces in time to grow. We either take them or we don't. We either move forward or we don't. Granted, that does not mean that God is not working on us while he has us in specific places. Please do not misunderstand. I do not mean that at all. He is absolutely working on us as he has us in different spaces. It is how we respond to him that will either make it longer or move us forward. We learn in this house, there is nothing new under heaven, nothing new. And this walk does not mean that we are not going to have issues. He has just given us the tools and the community that we need to sustain while we are in the midst and while we are going through. Israel completely come. And if we really want to get technical, oh, I'm about to jump down a rabbit hole. Lord help me. Forgive me because I really get excited when it comes to scripture. I'm so sorry. Um, if we want to get technical, Israel became what it became in the time of Amos because of a king, because of the leadership of one person. But that one person also has an origin story and why he started doing the things that he did. And I do encourage you to read 1 Kings 11 through 14. You will find out why. Absolutely. And what scripture is telling us his choices led him to Egypt until Solomon died. Because just like Saul tried to kill David, when he found out what David was supposed to be, Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam. Jeroboam fled to where? Egypt. The very place God brought, him, brought the people out of. Instead of Jeroboam, Jeroboam going to the wilderness to seek shelter from God, he decided to go to Egypt and wait for Solomon to die. So when he came back after Solomon's death and claimed, but he did have an encounter with a prophet who told him he was going to be the next king, that God was separating, he was absolutely separating the kingdoms because Solomon did idol, did a, uh, idol worship in, the, in his end of days, in the last of his days, he did idol worship. So because of him, his son wasn't going to get all of uh, Israel. He was only going to get a piece of it because God wanted to make sure he kept his word. That is the most amazing thing about God is he wants to make, he will keep his word. It may not look the way we want it to look, but he will keep his word. So because of choices that were made, somebody else decide to make a whole other decision that completely changed the trajectory of Israel. Granted, God knew it was going to happen, but the people didn't. The people were blindsided because of somebody's frustration with what God said, their, their, their disagreement with what God did, what God did and what God said due to their actions cause someone else to stumble. We never know who is watching us in this walk and the way that this world is set up right now, people are watching. They are looking. 
like PA said on Saturday, when we see, when it's a new thing happening and new things are coming out, it's because the people of God aren't doing what they're supposed to do. And granted, we are all, we are, we are one person, but when we make up a collective, the things that we can do, if we all take on the same mindset that, no, that deliverance is definite and nothing that the enemy can throw at us, as long as we have God and one another can stand, we can move mountains. We can transform empires. Like it, like it, man. The time to study and to get in and to, to get in the presence of God and to learn more about this word of God and how to deliver it, not from a knowledge standpoint, but from a Holy Spirit aspect of where he speaks, we speak. When he stops, we stop. It, it is now time, like so seriously, it is, it is now time. The enemy is going to use everything he has in his arsenal. If we are in different phases and we are stronger in another area that was a weakness, the enemy is going to rev it up because he has to come at us differently. Because if we're calling out what we see, that we know utilizing the parameters that we have been given, the tools that we have been given to remain consistent, he has to change his approach. And he will, he has no problem doing that. Because if he don't do nothing else, that word is clear when it says he waits for a more opportune time. Each and every one of us on this Zoom and even people we are attached to are seeing the difference in each and every one of us. But the question is, how impactful is that difference? How much are we being submitted, myself included? How much are we allowing that difference to become more than just a difference, but a lifestyle? How much do we combat it because we liked who we were? And I'll even take it to the clinical aspect. It's hard to let go of trauma too. Sometimes we don't know our, what our identity is outside of trauma. We don't know what it's like to meet genuine people. We don't know what it's like to really accept when somebody lends a handout that they don't have anything else underneath it that's going to pull the wool over your eyes. It is so hard when God bring, takes you out of something and brings you out into something so pure, it's difficult to see the genuine aspect of this world through people. It's difficult. I'm a witness to that one. Not even gonna lie. <laughs> Definitely a witness to that one. But keep in mind, Jesus lived this life he demonstrated what it is to live this life in front of 12 others that he used to transform the world. There was more done, more saved, more demons cast out, more healed, more sick healed in Jesus's death than it was in his life on various continents. If he could do that with them, imagine what he can do with us when we are fully submitted under the power 
of heaven. He wants us to win. No strings attached. Only freedom. Real freedom. Discipline. Real discipline. Love. Joy. We're going to throw long suffering in there because it is a fruit of the spirit that people like to neglect. It's like, I feel like it's like it's on the bottom of the tree because don't nobody try to pay attention to that. There are so many things that so many beautiful things that God see in us, sees in us that we are so disgusted with. We are calling the beautiful things disgusting. We are taking the broken things away from him so he can't fix it. We are not properly utilizing the tools that he has given us to remain consistent because of our perception of not just what God is doing, but ourselves. So in this time, we have to let the Holy Spirit really go through us because we know we're returning. We, we know we're returning. We know we're crossing over, but at the same time, what was in Egypt or and on the way and hanging out in the wilderness before we crossed over, the, no remnants can be there because we can we can look up and end up like the Israelites in Amos 5 where God is taking everything that they put their confidence in completely removing everything and the thing is they don't even know it's about to happen because they have to decide whether or not they're going to agree come into agreement with what Amos is saying to them they have to make that choice too they're either going to reject the prophecy or they are going to accept the prophecy and repent. We got to stop hitting the crossroads and thinking that we have another option. Got to stop hitting the crossroads. And it's like, okay, I can go that way. Mm -mm. We got to make sure we don't turn our heads to the left or to the right. Cause I'm not trying to get, I'm not trying to get called any more names in my sleep. That threw me off. I was like, oh, because I had a false sense of security. I didn't realize that, but the Lord had to tell me that like literally show me you have a false sense of security. So you either submit it or I'm, I'll show you what it's like to have a false sense of security. I was like, okay, I'm gonna just go ahead and take door uh, number one and submit that <laughs> because it just, I'm not gonna say it's easier when we submit. That, that would not be truthful. It's hard to submit, but it's even harder to live a life of disobedience because a lot of people think the victory is when we have, when we were like, when the outcome of our obedience happens, like, oh, this is so great. I got the victory because of this. No, the victory is when you said yes, and I'll be obedient to what you're saying. That was the victory right there. What happened after was a byproduct of your yes and your consistent yes. Because again, he is going to call us to repentance every time we turn left or right. 
every time it goes off the path of what he has for us, he is going to give us a chance to repent. I just don't want us to get to the point where we no longer see that way out to repent because that is not a good place to be. We got to stop diminishing the voice of the Holy Spirit to do what we feel makes us comfortable. We have to stop negating what God is telling us to do. For some, giving us an inkling that he wants us to do because it no longer fits with our comfort zone. As we learn in this house, as PA and AK say, he does not work in our comfortability. What he does work in is obedience. What he makes an example of is disobedience. Because again, I can even bring up Moses as we, as we know. Moses was told to speak to the rock. He hit that bad boy. He was obedient, but disobedient at the same time. And it cost him the promised land. The question is, what do we, what do we feel inconsistency is going to cost us? Because I can tell you what we think is not what God is thinking at all. For his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. But each and every one of us can do all things through him. But the time for pretenses is over. We are in this. Because we said yes, and we meant it. And when you know you can't turn away from it, because it, when you turn away from it, it's like you are walking away from who you are. That means we came to him in the right pretense. We came to him with no pretenses, wholeheartedly. Nothing about this walk is fake. So whatever fakeness is still in us, we have to let go of. We have to call out. We have to get accountability that can speak to that and that'll let us know, okay, so you're being fake right now because that's not what you said that like you were going to do. I'm going to need you to be a person of your word. Hey, how are we doing this week? Because accountability is us being vulnerable with someone that we trust to cover us. And there is not one person on this call that you, you see that you know that you can't be vulnerable with. We are in a house where you are covered point blank period. We just have to take God at his word. The time for, oh Lord, show me, no. He's like, show me. Like you can do this, show me. Because at the same time as we have to evaluate where we are, like a realness of where we are in our walks with Christ, he also has that right to tell us who we aren't being in the relationship with him. He has that same right, more so than we do. He definitely does. But the gracious thing is, is he is a merciful father. And he will not leave us or forsake us. Now, this is like, it's, it's just one thing at a time. But the gracious thing is that Jesus ripped that veil to remove what was keeping us separated from God, and that was sin. And we are headed into a 
a season of follow through. He has shown us what we need to do. We just need to be consistent in what we say that we are going to do and how he has told us to do it. Real conversations. That's a lot of the things that has to take place. Real conversations. When it's a real conversation, so much work can be done. Because we, can, we even with time, just like the Israelites, from Joshua to Amos, over time, they lost sight of God and allowed idol worship in the most holiest of places. They didn't even recall or recant, excuse me, what God had done. So we can't let time allow us to lose sight of God and what he has done because he's always working. Because if we do that, we can allow it to change our thought process of him and how we tell the story and how we demonstrate his power, his tangibility, and his consistency in front of others. Questions, comments, concerns? Thank you for joining us for another episode of the KHOW podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to email us at khowworshipla at gmail.com. That's K-H-O-W-O-R-S-H-I-P-L-A at gmail.com.